My name is Sarah K. Mooney, and I'll be sharing today's scripture reading with you, which comes from the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. I'll be reading from chapter 11, verses 17 through 45. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but he was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said to them, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Greetings to you. On this day of Jack and Ellie Marquardt's birthday, I promised, I promised, and I've set a precedence that will outlive me and do me. Um, thank you for being here today on your birthday. You could be anywhere else. I have a mentor, a former pastor, who said, you could be anywhere else today, but you've chosen to be here. So Jack and Ellie, that's true of you too. You could be at Carowinds or Whitewater Center, as many of you love, but you have come to be with the living God. And I'm proud of you all. 
And I am proud of this congregation that is celebrating today in the midst of hardship, which is true of our world every week that we live through. But this is an important message for us to hear. And I am excited to be able to deliver it uh, once again, or maybe not once again, but some of you hopefully know you. It's been almost a year of being on staff here, 10 days short of it. But I am Connor Mooney, Director of Family and sorry, Children and Family Ministries. And um, the lights are blinking, but I will continue. I, it is a privilege to be ministering to 0 to 18-year-olds um, in a holistic vision of letting them pursue the Lord in their context. And so I am proud of our nursery program. I am proud of our children's church program. And I am proud of our youth group program. There will be a shout-out later for that. But I'm um, privileged to be here to share God's word. Um, the Resurrection and the Life is the title of my sermon. And um, I know this is a little bit dated, but I remember these popular books and theories and stories that would come out in our culture, probably New York Times bestsellers, that people were fascinated with. They were about resurrected life. 90 minutes in heaven, remember this? Heaven is for real. And of course, the Dateline stories that I uh, find myself watching sometimes, the online articles, testimonies that people would have. Um, and then even this newer phenomena of zombies, which is kind of, sounds kind of off topic, but then again, even just thinking about this picture of Lazarus, I think people are fascinated by people with their grave clothes on, coming out, moving into the world, having life again, right? And I think that's even true of video games that I uh, see and sometimes squirm. And so um, it is an interesting world we live in, and people, Christians and non-Christians alike, are fascinated by, as we're calling this series, an explicit lyric that is the resurrection. So let's take a look at it. There is this miracle of resurrection. Thank you, Paul, one of our staff here that preached excellently on what miracles are and how they apply to our lives. And so this is a very specific miracle that we're going to look at today. Jesus discusses this topic while modeling this miraculous event for those who are following him to see, to witness. And we are a part of those. And th here, I'm going to make a bold claim that I'm going to expound for you. I believe there are two types of resurrection discussed here in John 11. And so we, too, need to understand what that means, just as Jesus modeled for his followers of the day. Now, the story goes here that Lazarus was found dead by his sisters, Mary and Martha. We first see that it says in John 11 that he was ill, and then very shortly after, pronounced dead. And this concept, Jesus at one point states that Lazarus is asleep. And so already we have an interesting take from him of what is going on with Lazarus and his body. Okay, the concept of being asleep resonates with how our bodies are to be when we are in waiting for the Lord to return. So yes, then our bodies will have died, but our spirits will be alive in Christ. So Jesus wants to make that clear. And the way of doing so is by showing up after Lazarus has died. It says four days in the tomb. And allowing those witnessing to see and to acknowledge who Jesus really is. Not Lazarus, necessarily. And yet it's an amazing story of Lazarus being used by God to, to help us, his followers, understand an important concept. 
See, early in the chapter, we see how Jesus is alluding to this resurrection of the body. He says in verse 4, this illness, talking about Lazarus, does not lead to death. But the man died. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Whoa, hopefully you read something like that. Maybe it's several times you've read it and say, that's so interesting, but Lazarus does die. Jesus is coming onto the scene. He probably will raise the guy because he's Jesus. But what does this mean that he actually, this illness not leads to death and is for the glory of God so that the Son of God, Jesus, may be glorified through it? Well, we thankfully have context for people being like, what is he talking about? Because we have Mary and Martha. Martha comes out to see Jesus as he heads towards their village, and as she tells him, Jesus, he's dead. And and Jesus says, your brother will rise again. Here he is alluding to this resurrection that is about to take place. And so my question for us is, how does it happen, and more so, why? See, first, Jesus is the Son of God, right? And so all of God's authority and power is with him and is in him. Anything, then, is capable for God, any miracle. So God has sent Jesus in order to perform these miracles and to reveal his sonship and his lordship. And so then I ask, why Lazarus? Why this day for Jesus to come to this town, Bethany, and perform this type of miracle? Maybe you're asking these things, too. Surely there were other sick people to heal, as some of the disciples were asking. And surely hungry people to feed, people at wells to give water, Jesus, as he was sent by God to bring good news, is here to do just that through this encounter. Answer those questions. And here it is. You ready? This is the true statement. I guess it's two verses long that should carry us through the rest of this message. And I pray your day to understand what does it mean to me being a Christian or seeking after Christianity that has anything to do with resurrection. Jesus states, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus here is using this example to make sure his believers, his followers, and even those who are, I would say, investigating who he is, know the truth about who Christ is and what he has come on this earth to do, to resurrect Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the one, the only one, who can give us life. New life, restored life. Well, so the story goes on. For yes, Lazarus is raised from the dead. He is told to remove his grave clothes as he is brought back to life. But the true story of bodily resurrection is Jesus himself right? Who later on in this gospel account and others is nailed to the cross, has died, has been buried for three days, and then rises from the tomb on his own power and testifies to the disciples, to his followers of life eternal. So the only one, remember this now, the only one who can truly bodily resurrect and remain alive forever is Jesus, bodily resurrection. And yet this story shows the power, the ability, and the love of the Savior for Lazarus, one who Jesus knows from the beginning of his ministry. And he has freed this man, his friend, from death as a witness to the truth and resurrection of life in Jesus alone. See, Jesus and his love for his people and those who he came to die 
4, testified to this truth. Notice in John 11, it is clear that Jesus and this family had a deep love for one another, a connection, really. It was Mary, for example, who anointed Jesus' feet with perfume. And Jesus loved Martha, as John points out in verse 5. So the concept is those Jesus loves, he brings new life. And so it is with all of us, for he has done the same. Later on in John 17, we see in Jesus' prayer to the Father, his intense love for us, his people. He says, I have made known, Father, to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. See, I say that Jesus is the only one to really bodily, bodily resurrect himself. Lazarus still dies, right? Lazarus' body continues to live on. We do even see even in John 12 that he's sitting with the disciples at a table. He's lounging, it says. And yet the story goes, just like every human being, he dies. And so Jesus is always in his gospel account, in, in these accounts that John writes in this case, is making a greater point. One commentator calls it a resuscitation event. And so in the case of Jesus, the only Son of God, it was true resurrection. Well, I'm sure you're curious what this spiritual resurrection, the second type of resurrection, looks like then. That's what I call it, a spiritual resurrection that now applies to you and me. We're alive today. We have bodies that function. We got here today. And so what does this have to do with me? And what death did I need to be raised from, Lord? Hopefully you're asking. In our short-sightedness, frankly, we forget or get proud or lose sight of the fact that we, too, have died. In our day, once again, we've heard of miraculous stories, and yet there is a major story of resurrection in all of us. Let's look once again at verse 25. Jesus is the resurrection, and if Jesus is in the life, then those, who have, those of us who have put our trust in him have truly been resurrected, right? This type of resurrection we call spiritual resurrection. In fact, as the Apostle Paul states in Romans 6, this is our condition from the onset. For, Paul writes, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Verse 8, now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Now, I acknowledge in this Romans 5, 6 passage, sorry, that he is talking about a bodily resurrection. Jesus is going to come back to judge the living and the dead. He is going to save those who have called upon his name. And yet, there is a transformational work that's being done in us even now, right? Not a bodily one, necessarily, even though, again, miracles happen, bodily functions come back to life. Sure, truly God is able and wants to bring life here on earth to his people, but as a shadow of what's to come in heaven and as a way of proclaiming, you are mine, and in Christ you have life. And in John, I love the Gospel of John. It talks about life to the fullest. It talks about 
life um, eternal. Jesus is big on stating these, here's who I am. I am the gate. I am the bread. I am the good shepherd. And as a result, you are in me, in this good news. Truly, we have been saved from our sins by the life and death of Jesus. And we too have been given life in him thanks to our own resurrection from sin to life. Our resurrection story is really that spiritual death to life scenario. And it's clear in Paul's letter, the Romans, that there is a confession to be made. I think continually made. I think and believe that's what we do it every Sunday. We are continually confessing, Jesus, we have sinned. Jesus, without you, we would be dead. We are dead in our sins. We sin. We cannot obtain life and goodness on our own. Thus, we are united with Christ Jesus in a death like his, as it says. So, one more thing about this Lazarus being um, raised. There is a familiar Old Testament passage that we've learned, most of us know, from the days of Moses, who came from God to free his people from slavery, right? A prophet, uh, a leader of his people, of God's people. And thus, there is a point where the Israelites were enslaved by the Egyptians, and Moses commanded as a voice of God to Pharaoh, let my people go. And so, interesting enough, still here we have death and sin, entrapment, that is trying to take Lazarus away, and Jesus appropriately speaks with all authority that is in him and says, let him go. Here we have the comforting and the commanding voice of Jesus speaking to Lazarus. And do you realize that God, too, then, has spoken into your life and in my life? He has truly said and shouted and commanded, come out, be healed, be redeemed, be made alive once again. People of God, we have this truth that God has healed us and has saved us from our sins so that today, Tomorrow we can live a life in Christ that's truly alive. I say here, we're truly new. We're truly born again. Our lives are resurrected in Christ. And if it would help, the meaning of resurrect, as I've studied, it means to rise again. Another helpful definition, I would say, is to be right again. So unlike the misconception that we are to create our own success, that we are supposed to do good on our own, that we as humans are only worthy of life when it is rooted in Christ, right? Amen, you believe this? That truly our only hope, and again, a sorrowful world like we live in today, is to be rooted in Christ. Because we are dead in our sins, we must be resurrected by someone, something that would give us life once again. Well here, once again, Jesus gives us a telling that he has come to do so. For those who are literally dead, as in a sense, even a metaphor, analogy, he gave life, and so thus all of us who are dead spiritually, he has come to give us life. And again, true life that's eternal and that is everlasting. So even for Martha and also Mary, they knew that Jesus was the Christ and that we would all be resurrected on the last day with God. But there was a piece missing in their minds, right? Like there is growth to be done in their walks, if you want to call it that, with Jesus in, that, in their days. They, are, they were missing, especially in this part with Martha, that being resurrected was being given a new spirit, God's spirit, to transform and enliven them that day. So, do you believe today 
people of God, that God can truly raise us up here today, that he is capable of transforming your and my life today. I don't want to take it for granted that all of us have actually been transformed by Jesus today. And yet the invitation is clear, and it's open, and it's free, that the gift of eternal life is in Jesus Christ. And yes, dead to your sins, he will resurrect you and me. Even the crowd witnessing Jesus do miraculous things, there were two groups of people, right? There were those who believed Jesus for his word, and there were those who were skeptical. There were those who were doubtful that God could do just that. There were some who, after seeing Jesus weep for his friend over his death, they asked, uh, could he not, he who opened the eyes of the blind man, also have kept this man from dying? Like, is he really God? Is he really telling the truth? So folks, it is tempting, I would say, at least for me personally, to put ourselves in this place as these officials, these religious officials, officials those ironically who are the most pious, who are the most religious, and still doubted and lacked this assurance and asked, is he really God? Can Jesus really do powerful things in my life today? You know, I like this story of Lazarus, and I like, again, the Gospel of John. For growing up in a home with two siblings and now married to a woman who has two sisters and a brother, I get it that these siblings' sisters were concerned for their brother. They saw he was ill, they wept at his side, and they pleaded with the one who can make all things well that he would get well. See, they asked on his behalf for healing. For life, again, when his timetable was quickly running out. And so for you, for me, can we remember the days when people petitioned for you on your behalf to know Jesus Christ? Can you remember that? To have the knowledge of the Lord, to be his, to be redeemed. This is a helpful exercise. In my life, I can remember those who called out to God, desperately, I think, on my behalf, it was Scott and his parents. It was David and his parents, Sloan, Chip, Josh, Philip, Christy, Trinity, those who were eager for me to know the Lord, to be, yes, resurrected, because they knew that I was dead to my sins. So for you, can you look fondly and sincerely on the days when your family, maybe, or friends, or colleagues, or role models, possibly a perfect stranger, was praying for you and for your life to be redeemed. Can you remember that? Isn't that good and sweet and right for us to remember the days when the Marys and Marthas called out and asked on our behalf for us to be forgiven and for us to know the Lord? As a result, can you identify where in your life have you seen this new life? Right? That's helpful. I think we also need, as human beings, measurements or landmarks, or certain ways to say, you know what, I am growing in the Lord, I am in Christ today. And I'm going to start with the dramatic. Look at Charleston. Look at the people of Emmanuel AME meeting once again in that same room this past Wednesday for Bible study. Is that not resurrected life that they have chosen Christ and Him glorified, knowing, first off, that the brothers and sisters in Christ have truly been raised from the dead and will be and are with the Lord, and 
we'll, we will join them one day, but at the same time going and reading his word and studying and believing in the Lord Jesus who can only give us life, even in the midst of tragedy, all around them. As reading one article, there was evidence all around this room as they studied. Or maybe a little closer to home, what about those here, here in this big building that volunteer, volunteer day after day? They come on their own time, their own dime. Us on staff here at Christ Central just continue to be amazed at the people that come in not only to receive help, but to give help. They are making a difference by serving, by showing this love of Jesus that's radical, that, that never truly makes sense. They're teaching him how to read, and in, in some way, and specifically in that sense, their English as a second language class, they're teaching them using the Jesus Storybook Bible as an application for them. And then closest to home, as I said, what about your leaders of your youth ministry, dedicating week after week to, yes, you youth who have mentors and big brothers and big sisters and teachers in the faith to assure you that walking with the Lord daily is where life is, truly life is. Well, you've heard of semi, sorry, I should be singing it, semi-charm kind of life. It's a cheesy song by Third Eye Blind, and with even, uh, if my vocals were good, I'd sing it, but it's a cheesy line, that this mentality that life is kind of good, kind of right, and kind of changed, right? That's how I interpret it. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we have been completely changed, completely and yes, this world is broken, but we also have been given a hope in the resurrection of a physical kind, just as our spirits have been experiencing in the spiritual kind. Does that make sense? Jesus has modeled it for us. Once again, he has come and said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he goes on, everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. But then he has to ask, do you believe this? Crazy enough, as I've been walking for several years now, sometimes we even ask, uh, do I believe this? And Jesus, as he's staring at his disciples and those in the crowd, is asking that same question, do you believe this, even as I perform these miracles in front of you? And I want to say, it is tempting to kind of believe it, semi-charmed. It's kind of a better life now in Jesus but not completely, not in a way that brings us the realization that every day we have life in Christ. Now, I realize it. It's an interesting tension. Our bodies are decaying. We are dying in a, in a bodily way. And yet, as we look at the miracles and the evidence of Christ in our lives and around us, we have been given the hope and the glory of Christ in us, giving us eternal life. That's a tension, I realize. But as believers and as people that read his word and believe it, and follow it and train it and teach it to others, it is something that we must hang and cling on to. I think of one way that we would, um, one way we would live this out if we did wholeheartedly believe is in the way that how we commu communicate this good news to others, okay? And I have an example or an anecdote. As many of you know, we have a plethora of pregnant couples in our congregation currently. It's around 10. There are at least nine, and I've kind of been stumbling for that 10th person. I believe there's 10, maybe even now. Um, and so let's take this great news that, yes, even Sarah Kay and I are sharing with you, church family, and with our biological family, and with our friends. And if you know me, 
especially with the badge on, with everyone that I run into. Guess what? We're having a baby. You have a baby? We're about to have a baby. Hey, what's it like having a boy? We're about to have a boy. It's an exciting time. Yes, moms and dads, grandmas, grandpas. OK, I, yeah, you're kind of excited for me. OK, um, <laughs> some of you are tired. OK, I understand. OK, that makes sense. So um, with such great news that we all want to hear, and more so when a pregnant woman starts to show, there is no turning back. Of course, we are going to share the news, right? And tell others, because there is an obvious change. People of God, why would, with an even greater change in our lives, knowing Christ, will we not be telling all who we are around? Do you hear me? Does that make sense? Like, don't we believe that this is a major change in our lives, that nothing is the same anymore, that all is new in him? This news is true, but it does take recognizing and incorporating into our every move that we are Christians. We are Christ's, and thus to be representing him wherever we go and with whoever God gives us to witness this truth. There is always good news in our lives today because Jesus has given us new life, because he has resurrected us from a life of despair, disdain, death. I was talking with some buddies the other day. There was such a curiosity in me to, to know the Lord, but I was so um, intent on satisfying my own desires and doing the best, mostly school-wise. I was just so drawn to that that I almost just couldn't even think of someone else coming in to help until the Lord finally took me to a place where I was desperate for him, and I kept not succeeding. People, we have new life. We have eternal, everlasting life, and it's a gift from our Heavenly Father. So what will it look like to see our lives that way? So much, that we are, so, much so that we are motivated to tell others about what Christ has done. Or, because there's always two crowds, you may be wondering today about this Christ. Possibly, People in your lives, brothers and sisters, who care for you enough to invite you here and to taste and see that life is in the Lord. Life. Jesus says, as, um, sorry, the, the prophet Isaiah says, um, as he foreshadows Jesus, come, come to the waters and drink. Come and find food and drink. Jesus' invitation has always been and will always be open to you. So as I conclude, people of God, I urge you, to live this life worthy of the calling you've been given as new in Christ. Do not forget that you have been resurrected yourself, that you have been renewed, that you have been even been reinvented, and thus to re-engage with the world as the light and salt of the world. I continue to admit there's much confusion today with the hate that's going on, even in this very neighborhood, for the crime, the arson that happened at Briar Creek Baptist, which you can walk to, how we can tell people that only good news that is in Jesus and continue to tell them amidst the suffering. The one that is constant, that has and will prevail over these sins and sin, that is Jesus who has come, us, come to give us and has stated for us, I am the resurrection and the life. Today, will you be reminded afresh that you are his, and then realize that there are many today who don't know him and that who are dying to hear it and to receive it and to know eternal life with the Father. Will you live out with me the will of the Lord by being Christ-like? 
I struggle, you all. Even being on a church staff, the misnomer, it's hard too to always be Christ-like. I was confessing that the other day. And so, especially wearing my badge, I kind of have a renewed responsibility because it says Christ Central on it. By serving, by sharing, by loving, by caring for those you interact with each day, Jesus has given us ample examples to model after and how we are to be people who love the Lord with all of our hearts, minds, souls, and strengths. I ask you, will you commit to his word, to fellowship, to daily walking and asking him his will be done on this earth through your life? And will you be reminded today and every day that you have been resurrected from death due to sin and exchange given life due to the one who is the life? As I pray, there are some times, and again, this may sound cheesy, but there are some times we need to kind of do with our body what our spirit has already been done. Will you rise to your feet as I pray to acknowledge who it is who has given you life, who has overcome death? Will you pray with me as you stand to your feet and then we will sing our closing song? Let's pray. God, we do stand confident only because of you. Jesus, you ask us, do you believe this? Not because you're skeptical or doubtful that we can believe in you, but because you care so much about your sheep. You are the good shepherd, Lord, and you are the resurrection and the life. God, I ask for each person here today to know the truth and to live out that truth then as living examples of Christ. Thank you that you do give us the privilege to be called children of God. But as that, God, there's that responsibility to live it out, Lord, to communicate the gospel. God, to share our lives, to be living sacrifices in the way that we love and care and show compassion. God, we rise now to testify to the truth and to testify that Jesus, the good news, is available to all those who believe and willing to believe and call upon your name. God, let us sing and worship you now and leave this place with a renewed sense of worth, dignity, and life in Christ. In his name I pray, amen.